Chapter 8. And I read verses 22 to 25. Luke 8, verse 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. There came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. Title of this message, Faith in the Storms of Life. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to meet together today. Thank you, Father, for the privilege we have to open thy precious word, a mine of treasures. And I pray, Father, look in the word of God today, that we do some mining, 
Father, that we'd see some truths that would help us, encourage us, strengthen us in our walk with you. And Lord, if there be in our midst today who do not have a relationship, do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, pray the Spirit of God would speak to that heart today. Help them realize their need and receive Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Luke 18, 1, the Bible says, uh, Luke 18, uh, 8, I think it is. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Your faith is simply taking God at his word and acting upon it or obeying it. And as we consider this passage today, as we think about faith in the storms of life, I want to notice three things, and then I have quite a few sub-points. First of all, I want you to notice faith's grand treasury. Faith's grand treasury. In verse 22 it says, Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. He said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. Your faith's grand treasure is the word of God. The word of the Lord. You know, I looked up the phrase, by the word of the Lord. Here's some things I got. Verse Samuel 3.21. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Psalm 17.4. Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Ephesians 5.26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it. Talking about the church. That he might sanct, uh, 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 sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. 1 Thessalonians 4.15 For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we, shall not all, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Talking here about the rapture. Hebrews 1.3 Who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Ephesians 11.3 through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. 1 Peter 2, or 1.23 Being born again, not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 2 Peter 3.5 For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. And then verse 7 says, But the heavens and the earth, which are now, are kept in by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. You see, the word of God, friend, the word of God is the most grand and glorious treasure we have on earth. By it, the worlds were framed. By it, it was covered with a worldwide flood. And by it is kept in store 
and the judgment of ungodly men. By it we are born again and given eternal life through the creator of the world and, and his sacrifice for our sin. By it we can transform our lives by obeying its commandments, keeping its precepts. Hebrews tells us by it the elders obtained a good report. See, this is all the word of God, the Bible. Somebody says owned, it is riches. Studied, it is wisdom. Trusted, it is salvation. Loved, it is character. And obeyed, it is power. You know, the little song says, I have a wonderful treasure, a gift of God without measure. And so we travel together, my Bible and I. You see, of course, faith's treasury, grand treasury is the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So faith's treasury is the word of God, the word of the Lord. He said, let us. It was Jesus' word. But I want to show us the second thing. Faith's grueling tests. Faith will be tested. Notice verse 23. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. In many times, our faith is going to endorse some grueling tests, some hard tests. You know, these storms come up unexpectedly. Uh, you know, sometimes they come, you know, they come in various ways, but storms come, come on, upon us all unexpectedly at times. You know, they had, you know, Jesus told them to, that they, and that, that to go on the other side, and they launched forth. Uh, you know, many of the disciples, of course, that were with him, were seasoned commercial fishermen that no doubt could read the skies, well, familiar with the sea they were on, they fished it all the time, and they knew it well, they knew the skies, and... They didn't suspect heavy weather, storms. But many times storms come when we least expect them. You know, Job's faith was sorely tried, and it was unexpected. Think about it. Job 1.1, what the Lord said about Job. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. The man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Do you think that all the things that happened to Job would come upon one such as him? No. But they did. They did. So many times these storms come unexpectedly. Storms are many times hard to bear. Verse 23 and 24 says, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. There came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they uh, were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Again, these are experienced seamen, but they were ready to give up hope. Your know, storms can, are, are many times grueling and hard to bear, and they wear on us. They can wear on you physically and emotionally. And they require a sure foundation and philosophy of life to sustain us through those storms. 
You know, in Luke chapter 6, when Jesus spoke about the wise man who built his house upon the sand, I want you to notice something there. In verse 48 it says, He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. Why do you need to dig deep? Why do you need to lay a foundation on a rock? I'll tell you why. And when the flood arose, the stream, the stream beat vehemently, it says. So here's a man who is obeying God, but he, he has a sure foundation. He is well established and then God, but the storms come and they beat vehemently. The storms in Job's life beat vehemently. It seemed like they never ceased. First it was his children. Then it was his belongings. Or maybe in verse story, I'm not sure how that came. But, but you know, it was one or the other. You know, he, he lost his, his children. Then he lost all his wealth. All his, everything he had, he lost. He was a very wealthy man. And then the only thing he had left, his health. What else can you lose in life, in this life? He lost it all. You see, it, it was vehement. Strong's describes this word vehemently as to tear towards, to burst upon. It's intense. It's violent with anger is the idea. And of course, Job's response was, Job 1, 20 and 21, Then Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, sometimes the storms of life come and you don't know which way to turn. You don't know where to look. You don't know what to do. You feel overwhelmed? Do you ever feel like that? What am I going to do? One of the pastors at the funeral on Friday for Brother Winstead. You know, Bill Winstead's, I think, favorite passage of the Bible was Psalm 37. He called it Vitamin 37. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Um, I can't remember how, how the rest of it goes. But anyway, he said his, his pastor said that one time he said, uh, I was burdened with things in the ministry. And he said, Brother Winstead, do it. And he said, Brother Winstead gave me some very good advice. He said, Brother, just do the next thing. You know, sort of like I remember what Chris Shaw said his pastor told him when he didn't know what to do. He said, just put one foot in front of the other. Just rest in God's promises and just do the next thing. So storms, many times grueling, hard to bear. Sometimes storms reveal our spiritual state. The disciple says, Master, Master, we perish, verse 24. So it reveals sometimes a weakness in our spiritual state or lack of faith, and it can be for a couple of reasons. 
Number one, it could be ignorance or lack of understanding. Now notice in verse 25 again, it says, And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying, One to another, What manner of man is this? So let me ask you a question. Could Jesus die by drowning? Now, if you read Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22, which speak of the death of the Messiah, you'd have to come to the conclusion that it could not be death by drowning. Could not be. And if you'd have heard John, the Baptist testimony in John chapter 1, he said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. How did the Lamb die? It's bloodshed. So here it is. It's a lack of their understanding of who is with them and told them to get in the boat and let's go to the other side. Because Jesus could not die by drowning. Sometimes it's because of fear. Verse 30, 25 again says, that they were afraid, being afraid, wondered. You know, fear is, a, is an emotion that many times we yield to. And, you know, hey, welcome to humanity if you sometimes are afraid. Let me encourage you. And Abraham said, Genesis 20:11. Abraham said, because I thought, right there's the problem, surely the fear of God is not in this place. And they will slay me for my wife's sake. What was his problem? He was afraid. He was afraid. He was afraid they'd kill him because he had a beautiful wife. John 19, 38. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate he might take away the blood of Jesus, the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. John 20, 19. The same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus, stood in the midst, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Acts chapter 18, verses 9 and 10. The apostle Paul, who I thought wasn't afraid of anything. But the Lord said to Paul, Then spake the Lord to Paul in a night by a vision, Be not now why would the Lord say that if Paul maybe wasn't fearful? I mean, after all, he'd you know, only seen riot in the city and everywhere he goes there's a riot and he's been stoned and left for dead once and whipped and, you know, all, and jailed. And Why would he have a worry about being fearful? The Lord said, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I am much people in this city. Psalm 27, verse 1 says, The Lord is my light, my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. Uh, so we should not fear. Luke 12, 4, 7, Jesus says, And I say unto you, my friends, Be not afraid of them that can kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do to you, can do, but I will forewarn you whom you shall fear, Fear him which after you have killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five 
sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not ye therefore, ye have more value than many sparrows. So we need not fear man, but we do need to fear God. But fear often causes us to lapse in our faith. A third reason that we that it reveals to us, or a reason we uh, 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 fail in our faith is because we are out of God's will. Because sometimes we may be out of God's will. You know, if there are things in your life that are coming between you and the Lord, you're out of God's will. And you have, in a sense, put Jesus to sleep in your life. Sleep's a state of inactivity. And if you're out of the will of God, you've pushed him aside by your choices. You've rendered his power ineffective to help you. God will not. God is not obligated to help you when you will not trust him or yield to him to direct your life. So you have rendered him asleep to a state of inactivity in your life. You know, Proverbs 14.6 says, A scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not. But knowledge is easy unto him that understandeth. You see, the key is we have to be willing and yielded to him to know what his will is and to walk in it. You see, the problem is, like Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That's our problem. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. You see, the problem is many times we're not content with what God has given us. So we seek other things of this world to satisfy us or to bring us happiness. And they only come to naught. They won't satisfy. What you'll find is the dead end street. Like Solomon did. I mean, Solomon sought everything a man could pursue. He pursued after it. He pursued after wine. He pursued after women. He pursued after song. He pursued after the, the things of the world, the, the, of trees and, and fruits and all kinds. He sought everything that man could possess on earth. And his conclusion at the end of it all was, it's all vanity and vexation of spirit, and there's no profit under the sun. So he says to us, let your conversation, that's your life, your manner of life, be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Be content with what God has given to you. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So it may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man should do unto me. Proverbs 3, 5 and 7. Trust the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. 
Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You know what? Too, too, too often, you and I are wise in our own eyes. We think we can do it better or have a better understanding. You know, we, we, we have this word we call, we often say, but, but, but. You know what I often say? That person has billy goat religion. They're always button. They won't accept what God simply says. They're always saying, but. There's always a reason or excuse why they can't obey the word of the Lord. You know, some of the saddest words in the Bible are in Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. Verse 24. Because I have called, and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. You have sought it not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall I call upon me. But I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge, did not choose to fear the Lord. They would none of my counsel, they despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way, and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. You know, it said fools are prosperous. But their prosperity will destroy them. But notice, verse 33, But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. You know, in Second Chronicles chapter 33, we have the account of Manasseh. And the Bible says that the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among thorns. Now we had a pretty vivid description by Brother Hoyle about what all this means. You know what the word thorn there means? It's a hook in the nose. Now when I was farming, we'd put a ring, and that's the idea, a ring or a hook. In the nose. We'd put rings in the nose of our bulls. Nose is very sensitive. You know, right through the end of your nose. That bull would just go about anywhere you wanted to take him. I didn't care how big he was. He could weigh a ton. Like we had one that weighed 2,600 pounds. It's over a ton. My brother would lead him around like a little puppy dog. You see, he got a hook in his nose. Then bound him with fetters, that's shackles of a prisoner, it's like a ball and chain, and carried him to Babylon. See, you Manasseh had, had heard the word of the Lord, that prophesied, prophesied he would not hearken. He had, instead, he tried other gods. He tried the gods of Damascus. Brought him them to Jerusalem. Set up an altar to it. But he realized when he was in thorns and fetters that God was the God that he needed to worship. You see, it, 
Is it not because we either forsake or do not avail ourselves of the power and blessing of God by spending time in his word? That's a devotional life. And giving attention to hearing the word. Preaching and teaching. So, face grueling trials. We're going to have them. You can be the most faithful child of God, as Job was, and you're going to have trials. Faith must be tested. Then I want you to notice a third thing. Face great triumph. Verse 25 of our text says, And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying to one another, What manner of man is this? For the, he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. What manner of man is this? He commandeth. Now, I want to refer back to something I mentioned earlier in the message. And that is the question I asked, could Jesus be put to death by drowning? And the answer, of course, is no. His blood had to be shed. I don't care what John MacArthur says. His blood had to be shed. And he couldn't be put to death at that time because it wasn't God's time. You see, time is in God's hand. And he is the Son of God. And he said, I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No man taketh it from me. I lay it down of myself. You know, he gave his life. It was not taken. And you, if you are saved, are in the hand of the Almighty God. Think of it. You are in the hand of Almighty God. John 10, 28 29 says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. You, if you're saved this morning, you are in God Almighty's hand. And there's nothing that can pluck you out of your Father's hand. You know, he is the firstborn, the elder brother, the preeminent one, the only potentate, the king of kings and lord of lords. It is at his feet that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. He has all authority, all power in heaven and in earth. Ought we not to rest in the promises of the master? Obey the commands of our Lord. Take him at his words. You see, hungry lions couldn't kill Daniel. Because Daniel was in God's hands. And it wasn't time for Daniel to die. And it wasn't God's will for Daniel to die that way. The pit, nor the princes, nor the king could kill Jeremiah. Because God said, I've made thee a brazen wall. 
Herod could not kill Peter, nor the Jews Paul, nor Rome John, because their time was in the hand of God. Now did some of them give their lives? Yes, they did. When it was God's time, but not before. See, we need to trust God. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 20 says, And they arose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Koah. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye live. Romans 10, 17, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 20, Despise not prophesying. 1 Timothy 4 says we are to give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. You know, the, giving, the word attendance means attention to, to apply oneself to, to heed to, to cleave to. So we're to give attention to reading, that's our devotions, and to exhortation, that's a persuasive discourse. That's what I'm trying to do this morning. That's what we call preaching. It's a persuasive discourse and to doctrine. Paul said in, in Titus chapter 1 verse 3, But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Now Hebrews 10, uh, 25, 26 says, Not forsaking the assembling ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as to see a day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. You see, there is no other way, friend, God has authorized to help you and I. Than through his word. No other way. And faith's great triumph is in his word. Obeying his word. Taking heed to his word. Listening. Giving attention to his word. Young people, you need to give heed to the word of God. Don't be like the rich man in hell. He would not hear the word. He would not heed it until there was no hope. And then he wanted a miracle to show to his brothers so that they would hear it. And what did Abraham tell them? If they would not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they repent, though one rose from the dead. If they would not believe the word of God, you could show miracle after miracle after miracle. And it will not do any good. See, some people are looking for something miraculous in their life. God to show them in some great vision. This isn't going to happen. He's given it all in his word. We have great and exceeding precious promises whereby we can become partakers of the divine nature. See, there's, there's those great and precious promises for those who seek him and obey him, who draw nigh to him, you know, what's it mean to draw nigh to the Lord? It means I move to where he is. God doesn't change. God's never moved away from me. It's always that I've moved away from him. If he's not as near as he once was, it's because I've moved away from him. He doesn't move. He doesn't change. 
And so when James says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to me, it means I've got to move. I've got to put myself where he is. See, faith is simply taking God at his word. Just resting in him. Even in the, even in the midst of trials. Go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 for a minute. 1 John chapter 4. Verse 15. 1 John 4 verse 15 says, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known and believe the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth, notice, I want you to notice this phrase, he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Now what does, a, what, you know, what does it mean, what, is, what does the word love mean in the Bible? You know, we, we've so perverted the word love in our world today. We have no idea really what love. You love is Romans. Uh, Romans, I think, thirteen tells us that love is the fulfilling of the law. You, Jesus said in John fourteen, "If you love me, you what? Keep my commandments." So love is to obey the Lord, and and here he says that that uh, that that he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. The word dwelleth means to abide in. It speaks of a walking in his presence, like Enoch, who walked with God and was not, for God took him. To walk in his presence is to spend time in his word, faithful to hear his word and obey his word, being aware of his presence uh, 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 continually, sensing his leading, allowing him to direct your way. That's what it means to dwell in God. And I want you to notice verse 14 then says this. So, so if you dwell in love, you're dwelling in God, and God dwells in you, and herein is our love made perfect. How's love made perfect? By dwelling in God. And I want you to notice what it goes on to say. Here is a love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we. In this world. You know, when a wife knows without a doubt that her husband loves her, she's secure. She's secure. There's trust and security. And when we draw nigh to God like that, there is security. There's rest. 
Notice what verse 18 says. There is no fear in love. You see, when we dwell with God, there'll be no fear in the midst of the trials. We'll be like Job who said, Naked came I out of the womb, naked shall I return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That takes faith. It takes great faith. But see, he had confidence. He had trust in his God. He understood who God was. See, the reason we fail many times is we don't really understand or comprehend who our Lord and Savior is. He said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go you therefore. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts that fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Torment. You know, the disciples were tormented. They were afraid they were going to die. They were tormented. Why? Because they did not understand who was with them in the boat. You see, your problem is many times we don't understand who is with us. If you know Christ is your Savior, the Lord, he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. You can quench the Spirit. You can push him aside. You know, he won't force himself in his way on you. But if you will submit to him, he will direct your life. And he will provide a way always that is obedient to his will if you're willing to seek it. You know, a good example of that is Daniel. Daniel's in a difficult circumstance. What's he to do? It could be in his head. But Daniel says, uh, hey, could I have something else, please? And the man says, well, you endanger my head. Daniel said, put us to the test. These things are unclean to us. Our God will take care of us. Just put us to the test. See, faith. Faith in the storms of life. Oh, we're going to have them. Storms are going to come. The wise man, the stream beat vehemently, but his house stood. Why? Because he dug down deep and put his house. He built his life on the word of God. Friend, you need to build your life on the word of God. And you'll be like the psalmist who said, I shall not be moved. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Might God help us. Might he increase our faith. Might we trust in him. And not allow the world to shake us from the truth of the word of God. We can have confidence in him. He is the Lord. 
of all the earth.